in the high desert in the great American Southwest. I'm Art Bell. Slamming into your radio like a supercharged nanoparticle of unobtainium. My name is George Van. I'm Richard Serrett. This is Connie Willis. I'm George Norrie. Welcome to Coast to Coast Day. It's great to be here. Welcome to Coast to Coast PM, the number one unofficial Coast to Coast AM podcast. We are two brothers who analyze the world's largest overnight paranormal radio show known as Coast to Coast AM. My name is Paul, and I'm the one who listens to this inexplicable radio show here with my brother. Hey, it's Chris and Paul. I sure am excited for another exciting episode of Coast to Coast PM. I am as well, Chris. We're going to be listening to George Norrie's December 20th, 2023 interview with John Hogue. The man who has unraveled Nostradamus's predictions and also knows who the Antichrist is. They finally did it. They finally unraveled the mysteries of Nostradamus. Not only did he finally do that, but he also figured out the Antichrist. I've been dying for both of these answers, so we're going to get them tonight. I'm more excited about Nostradamus because people have been trying to do this for centuries now. Yeah, very true. And so that we that we finally have cracked the code. I mean, this is a big a big day for the coast to coast PM audience for all the well, coaster knots out there. And I'm also excited because we're finding out who the Antichrist is, Chris. And our our astute listeners will remember our Antichrist hotline episode where yes. I don't think we found the Antichrist that night. I don't I think we're gonna find we it did. tonight. I think you're right. I think you're right. We did not find the Antichrist in any of those callers. We really tried, though. We tried our best. I remember being distinctly disappointed in the Antichrist callers. You know what we need to do is a time traveler open lines. I've been talking about that forever. We been haven't talking done about it, yet. it forever. This again, you lead this whole endeavor, and well, so it's like <laughs> we need to talk about this, and it's like. You're the person that would choose that. Here's my problem. I'm like that dog in Up who sees a squirrel where I listen to so many episodes of Coast that I have this backlog of things I wanted to get to and then I completely forgot about it. Next episode is the Time Traveler Hotline. How about that? So you're kind of a Trumpian host. Yes, mainly. I just jump from topic to topic, can't keep a, a straight thought. Whatever the last idea that came <laughs> into your head from somebody else is the is your idea now. Yes. The last thing that someone said to me right before we get on the podcast is what we talk about. Yeah, that's exactly so, right. That's how we roll. Um, but before we get to the Antichrist and Nostradamus, Chris, we got to check in with our good friend Tim Banal at the Coast to Coast AM blog. Tim time. Dude, Tim I missed <laughs> Tim. It was nice having Jordan. This last episode, but I missed Tim. Man, loved having Jordan on. Man, we got a we got a nice little shout out on Knowledge Fight too. That was that yeah. was cool, Tim. That was nice. That Go was Jordan. Very nice. Thanks, thanks Jordan and Dan for sure. Yeah. Love love them both. Um, today's article, Chris, from the blog. Man busted for allegedly spray painting squirrels red in a bizarre tracking scheme. Uh, you're gonna have to explain this because I'm already confused. A New York statement is in trouble with the law after authorities busted him for allegedly spray painting squirrels bright red in an effort to keep track of which of the critters were coming onto his property. Kind of an interesting science experiment this man is conducting. Spray painting them, it 
and I'm, which I'm going to guess he's not getting animal-friendly spray paint. No, there is an image of what he was using to do the spray painting, and it is just a regular can of red spray paint that he got from Walmart. Oil-based, <laughs> just, like, actually causing probably some damage to these squirrels. I can't imagine it's good for them. Here's the thing, though. Squirrels are the worst creatures on the planet. So, Whoa. In, my, in my estimation... There's little you could do to make me feel bad for a squirrel. They're so sweet and cute, though. I love squirrels. Squirrels are not sweet. They're I, devil I they're creatures. Delightful. The very weird case reportedly began back in mid-December when officers from the state's Environmental Conservation Department were made aware of an individual who was believed to be responsible for tagging several of the rodents that had been seen in a local park. I wonder... If he was really keeping like dedicated records to the squirrels that were coming into his lawn, like was he spray painting numbers or letters on these things? Like, did he have a detailed log of the different squirrels that he put symbols on them so he could tell the difference? This is, I'm now fascinated by this idea. I think he was just striping them because there's no way that he was able to actually put any sort of legitimate marking on them unless it was like diagonal and then vertical. Like he's he's spray painting squirrels from one of those big squirrel traps. Okay, so he has a squirrel trap. I was yeah. I was curious how he was doing this because there is an image in my head of a man just running around a park with a <laughs> spray can. Yeah chasing squirrels and trying to blast them with the spray can yeah he, he had large animal traps which i've actually used those before our cat ran away and we set up a camera in the garage and the cat kept coming back at like 2 a.m while we were asleep so we tried to set up a trap to capture our cat again who forgot what time we were awake apparently and he ended up just hanging out and not going in there and just stayed in the garage but uh they're, they're kind of fun, you know? They're kind of fun. They got a little thing that, like, pops back up so that you can't get out. Not as fun for the animals, probably, but I think it's a relatively yeah. humane way of catching an animal. Listen, a squirrel makes a great stew. There you go. And that's all I'm going to tell our coaster knots about that. A subsequent stakeout of the location provided police with a glimpse of one of the unfortunate animals, which led to them to the suspect's door. Specifically, officers observed a bright red squirrel crossing the street less than a block away from the subject's residence. When authorities visited the man's home, they discovered some rather damning evidence in the form of multiple animal traps with a can of red spray paint beside them. Yes, dude. <laughs> He's been caught red-handed. I love the fact that he didn't cover anything up. The cops just like followed the trail of red squirrels and then yeah. just see the trap and spray paint. Yeah, there's about 30 red squirrels <laughs> around this house. So we think we may have found our perp. This may be our guy. This might be the guy right here. He's the, the dreaded squirrel painter of Dickinson Street. Upon being questioned, the suspect confessed that he had been tagging the creatures and offered an odd explanation for his actions. According to the police, the man admitted to trapping the squirrels and painting them in order to keep track of those returning to his yard and causing his dogs to bark. What kind of uh, charge are folks getting for painting squirrels red? 
That's our next sentence, Chris. Okay. Authorities subsequently charged the man with animal mistreatment and violations related to the trapping, transporting, and liberating of wildlife. I'm confused because it doesn't sound like he is transporting transporting them. He's just capturing them, painting them quickly, and then releasing them again. Am I wrong about that? That may just be the code that he was charged with. That includes all three right. of those is my guess. Yeah. But he was definitely trapping them. And I mean, you're not supposed to spray paint animals. That's just not cool. This is a victimless crime, dude. And this is just, this is the problem with Biden's America. It's just a nanny state. <laughs> yeah. If, you... if this man needs to track squirrels for some reason, let him track the squirrels. You know what I'm remembering right now is when when we were kids, Chris, mom paid me to shoot squirrels with the pellet gun and said she'd give me 10 bucks for every squirrel I killed because they were driving her crazy. Was I yes. breaking the law? Actively. Are you allowed to kill a squirrel? You can kill the squirrel, which is fine, but it is hunting. And you I don't believe you can hunt in most city limits. Well, here's the good news. I didn't kill a single one because I'm a terrible shot. So uh, it, it worked eyesight. out for the squirrels. You got terrible eyes. I, my, my eyes are better than your eyes. Yeah, but I don't try to shoot things. That's true. That is really true. Well, Chris, that was our Tim time for today. Time for a little housekeeping. You can support the show at patreon.com slash coast to coast PM. Sign up for as little as $2 a month to keep us on the air. Keep our mics electrified and uh, generally support the show. That's the best way to support us. But you know, another great way to support us is hitting follow wherever you're listening. Helps us with the algorithm. Allegedly, that's at least what other podcasters say. And they're not allowed to lie. You can't lie on a podcast. Make sure to drop us five stars on Spotify and Apple. We are slowly recovering from the flat earthers trying to take us down on Spotify, Chris. But we're we're coming back with a vengeance. That'll be everything. You want to jump into the show? You know what's not flat, Paul? My cojones. And so I will keep on beating up the flat earthers. <laughs> I don't want to. Okay. I'm conflicted on flat earthers because I think they are legitimately really nice people. They yes. just believe the dumbest shit. <laughs> and i don't know where to put that <laughs> yeah we shouldn't we shouldn't be mean to the flat earthers i don't right. want to be mean but it's so dumb but th i love them as people they're so sweet anyways we're not talking about flat earth today chris we're talking what are we about, talking about today nostradamus and the antichrist nostradamus dude that's you know what what do we even know about nostradamus really I mean, yeah, like, what do we know, Chris? Do you have a TLDR of Nostradamus? I don't. I just know that he had, like, one, and I forget the exact, they don't call them poems. They call them something else. There's, like, a name that Nostradamus things have. And I remember one of them says something along the lines of, like, Himmler or something like that. And I just remember the History Channel as a kid having, like, the prophecies of Nostradamus. And all they would talk about was this one, it was like Cantrain or something like that. And it, it had Himmler and it, it was like, this actually directly ties to Hitler and <laughs> totally tells everything about World War II. And I remember reading it and being like, the Himmler River is going to be on fire. And it was like, that's what 
is telling us all of World War II happened? Not that clear. Not that clear reading it. And I'm looking at this 60 years after World War II happened. Yeah, so if you're not familiar with Nostradamus, he was an astrologer and a seer who wrote a book called The Prophecies. Uh, It was actually called Les Prophéties, and it was published in 1555. And it, it was a collection of 942 poetic quatrains. That quatrains. Were, yeah, that's the quatrains. word, dude. That's the word um, that predicted future events. And it's just a lot of fun because he has a lot of gibberish in there. And then people can apply that gibberish to anything that's happened anything. in the last 500 years. And all this stuff is like a bird in the sky and a tree is around the river bends. And you see the light of the moon coming off the seventh temple. And then it's like, then that means that George Bush is going to go into a wreck. I also love that somehow people always apply everything Nostradamus did to seemingly the exact time and date that they live right now. You know what I mean? Like he wasn't predicting anything for the past 500 years. He was predicting 2024. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just a little fun. I feel like Nostradamus is no longer in vogue. I feel like we're no longer getting a lot of Nostradamus prophecy. In fact, I feel like we don't get a lot of prophecy, period. I feel like when I'm waiting in the grocery store, I don't see the line of national inquirers telling me about all the prophecy that's coming. Maybe that's what's wrong with society is that we don't have a bunch of fake prophets anymore. There may be something to this, Paul. We'll we'll unpack that later, Chris, but we got to get into our episode. Let's go. All right. So George Norrie starts off uh, the interview pretty strong, jumping right into the Antichrist. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. John Hogue back with us, writing on the subjects of the occult, parapsychology, mysticism, and prophecy. He is a world authority on Nostradamus, a best-selling author as well. As a matter of fact, he's working on a book on Nostradamus and the Antichrist, codenamed Mobis. And of course, John, welcome back, my friend. Hey, George. It's good to hear your voice again. Before we get into your incredible predictions for next year, which is not too far away, what are your thoughts on the Antichrist? Well, um, actually, I wonder if we can actually ask that question later. And because of the way, you know, I sent you a number of prophecies earlier today. And I I think I'd like to start with those because it will build a foundation that will really lead into that question. But you know who it is, don't you? Well, I believe I do. I've been on the trail of the third Antichrist of Nostradamus, the first being Napoleon, the second being Hitler, uh, since 1983. So, um, I mean, I can can tell you that right off that um, the the more significant character that could be him is the crown prince of Saudi Arabia. Do you think his thought process is if I tell people who the antichrist is now at the beginning of my segment, that they're just going to tune out immediately. They're like, no, no matter what this guy says, it doesn't matter. I now know who the antichrist is, is going to, hit the power button on their radio of their long haul rig and just like, or like turn to something else. Cause it's like, Oh, that's all I needed to hear was who the Antichrist was. 
Yeah, you're giving away the the most valuable piece of information that you have. You got to build that to a climax. You got to build up the evidence and then drop the bomb. We are now a minute and five seconds into the interview, and he was right. already giving up the goods, dude. Yeah. It's not how dude. you run a show. Yeah, that is true. I mean, so you think that is he's actively thinking that. I think he was actively thinking that, and George Norrie ruined it because he apparently has right. no sense of pacing anymore. <laughs> what do you think about MBS? Uh, Mohammed uh, bin Salman, the crown prince of Saudi Arabia, being up there for the eternal prince of darkness. So, um, I will say, if, I, His if I'm remembering my, majesty. If I'm remembering my history correctly, Chris, he was... Uh, heavily implicated in the death of Khashoggi, the yes. reporter who was chopped up inside of an embassy. Yes. Try, I think he was trying to get a marriage license yes. to marry his wife. Yes. Uh, and they put his body in suitcases and carried him out. That's a very antichrist action. Yes. That's not, that's bad vibes. It puts you up there as it's not out of the realm of possibility. Yeah, if you if you are able to chop up a body and put him in a suitcase, maybe you I don't know. I don't know. You're not you're not a nice guy. I know that. Here's also something. Arabs are Semites. And I think if we go within the Abrahamic religions, I think it's gotta be up to the Semites to produce the Antichrist. It has sure. to it has to be someone from an Abrahamic religion. No, I just I don't even think it's because that would allow Christians, right? And and we're talking Anglo-Saxon Christians. Yeah. But I think within the true sense of the actuality of an antichrist existing, you can't go with Anglo-Saxons and Germans and French and all that. You got to go with the Semites. This person's either got to be Jewish or Muslim. Well, Arab, to be more specific. I feel like it would make a lot of sense for it to be an Anglo-Saxon Christian. Can't be. Can't Why? be, dude. Because they have the most flair. No, 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 no. They don't have any flair. Compared to, we're talking about Aramaic Jesus Christ. It's got to come from the same Semitic lineage. It can't come from outside what is a chinese person going to be the antichrist maybe is the russians or an australian god forbid no it's got to be a, a somebody from the semitic lineage to connect to the antichrist lore i think i don't know if there's anything about antichrist lore that connects the antichrist to a specific region but chris Let's get into YMBS because we got to figure out what he thinks. Yeah, right. Okay, let's go. Uh, the other thing that makes him a a um, a chief candidate is that for all the other candidates that I looked at, which is Osama bin Laden, it's mostly the prophecies point to the Arab world uh, in this regard because of the way Mabus uh, equates the the anagramic name of of the prophet is of the third antichrist is based on M-A-B-U-S, and Nostradamus, you know, often uh, drops the vowels to give you the word, and since this man has a unique acronym that everybody calls him, what do you see when you drop the A and U out of M-A-B-U-S? Exactly. It's right there for you. M-B-S. That yeah. is Mohammed bin Solomon. So, yeah, so 
So yes, it's it's um, he has done the one thing that none of the other candidates did. He has uh, changed the world with the actions he did with the United States dollar. He is the one that decided no longer to support with Saudi oil uh, the commodity for the U.S. dollar and buy U.S. bonds to keep it going. This is a significant world-changing event. Huge. Huge. Yes. In the next 24 months, uh, the U.S. dollar will no longer serve as a, a currency of the world. It's going to be replaced by a currency that actually Bretton Woods back in 1944 when they were trying to redesign a new world economic order as the World War II was ending and now as World War III is on, uh, a similar thing is happening with the BRICS nations where they're, they're going to do what the Bretton Woods wanted to do, not put up a national currency as a global currency, but a transactional currency that all other currencies use. All right, we'll come back to the Antichrist, John. How do you look at the 2024? Great segue. There was there was so much in that clip. The first thing I wanted to mention was I can't stand when they're like, well, as everybody knows, Nostradamus, you have to drop the vows. And so and I was is that at the beginning of the book? <laughs> Uh, just uh, just a little author's note. You're going to have to make sure you drop the vowels in a lot of these things, but not every time, but most of the time, drop the vowels sometimes. Well, and that's the best part is he's like, well, Nostradamus wrote this down. And if you just remove letters, yeah. then it's the nickname of this guy. If you start uh, ripping up all the pages and uh, putting them in different orders and putting words in different places and adding things, you get a completely different sense of what Nostradamus <laughs> was trying to say. It makes perfect sense. It makes so much sense. So that's, I guess that's his entire foundation on the top of the fact that he's powerful. Yeah. So, because basically what he's describing is MBS is a powerful person. There's yes. a lot of powerful people in the world. There's many of many. them are assholes. Most of them are assholes. Almost every powerful person is by definition an asshole. And the few that aren't uh, aren't in power for very long, I think. That's yeah. They kill them. <laughs> they they get killed. They typically either kill them or coup them. Yes, those are the two options. So, <laughs> um, not totally sold yet, Chris, on MBS being the Antichrist. But hey, it, we're open minded here. It's kind of interesting because he does hit you with some real stuff, though. Like my dude starts bringing up Bretton Woods. Yeah. And how Bretton Woods makes the U.S. dollar the world's currency. And that is all real stuff. Yeah. I mean, John John is an educated person for sure. He drops a lot of like real history in on this, along with a lot of kind of silly things like if you just change the letters, then it becomes what I want it to be. And, and to be fair, during this time, the BRICS, the BRICS nations, which are Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa, and I think there's now some more of them involved with that grouping, but they have started talking about how do we come up with a different type of currency to fight the dollar. Yeah, which honestly, I don't necessarily blame them for that um, because it, it gives America an enormous amount of power to control their behavior. 
It totally makes sense. But again, he's like mentioning this stuff probably to a group of people who may not understand all the implications of this. And he didn't do a terrible job explaining what was happening there. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Well, on on top of the segment that also had it, everyone knows with Nostradamus, you got to drop the vows. Got to drop those vows. It's an interesting conglomeration of things here he's a complex character well like george said chris we'll get back to the antichrist let's table that conversation we're gonna get back to that (laughs) just table the antichrist for a little bit let's get to some predictions okay but before we get to that he has to do his his throat clearing first Uh, you know first off we start off with there's basically two primary fronts in what I call the conventional phase of World War III, and may it remain conventional and not get worse. But one of those moments where I'm going to preface this by telling everybody before I scare the death out of everybody, is that these things that are trying so hard, these events I'm about to talk about, to push us over the edge, by the very nature that they're bringing our attention to the danger of this, may very well prevent a lot of this from happening. It's something I'm noticing more and more now is that now now these problems are gaining our attention. And that, gain, that may be a good thing. It there's there's alchemy in everything. You know, if you if you crush the darkness of consciousness coming into the world, it's trying to push, 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 it creates diamonds. It completely transforms. So there's there's an alchemical process that may be going on here. And if I'm right, what will happen is a lot of things I'm about to say will come right up to the edge of the abyss but won't cross over. So with that said, and you've all been warned, um, here we go. Um, is my dude talking about the hedonic treadmill? the hell is that? The hedonic treadmill, essentially, it, it comes from historical materialism or, you know, read Marxist historical analysis, right? But the hedonic treadmill is that we're essentially all stuck on this rat race that capitalism has infused. And though there are individual actors, how much difference an individual actor would be able to make within this treadmill that we're on is marginal so i would i would disagree with you there because what he's saying is that the mere act of bringing awareness Mm. to the impending end of the world could in fact prevent the end of the world i see i see okay so he's saying because he's spreading the knowledge of nostradamus the prophecies that are looking true right now may not happen because he is so successful. So we're doing, we're dealing with the seventh day Adventist. Yeah. Basically he's, he's building a scenario where he's going to make a prediction. That prediction is not going to come true. And his reason for it not coming true is he was just too good at his job of promoting that this was about to happen. I was kind of hoping we were going to be on the hedonic treadmill, but that's a little disappointing. That would have been much better than what he does. Which way is, more based, dude. Yeah. That's way more based. It's so much more based, and the world's going to end, but if I'm wrong, I can still yeah. come back on yeah. the air in a year. But I did such a good job at telling everybody about dropping the vows in Nostradamus <laughs> that the whole world is saved. 
All right, let's get into some of his geopolitics predictions, Chris, because he's got some he's got some stuff here he's got to talk through. Uh, <laughs> there it is. All right. Um, yes, the um, we're the first issue is Yemen, the Houthi, and the gathering storm of naval forces that are going to try to have a clash with it in the Red Sea. Certainly, it's a global issue because the Yemenis, who have now declared war against Israel for what they believe is a genocidal war against the Palestinians is a, this is all an attempt to, this is all coming very close to fulfilling prophecies of Nostradamus about a war with Iran by the West, the fleet of the true serpent, that would see the a fleet melted and sunk in the Arabian Gulf, that would see the people of Ishmael charging across the waters of Karmania. Karmania is the Strait of Hormuz. Uh, from the 16th century name, the Arabian Gulf is what they called the Persian Gulf back then. That's right. To talk about a trident, that the, this, this fleet will be melted and sunk by a trident. Now, there's two possibilities for that. One is it's the nuclear submarine that's going up there with 150 cruise missiles um, that, that will be added to the 800 cruise missiles of a strike group that would hit Iran. The second possibility is that it's a Trident using nuclear weapons melting a ship, uh, melting mm-hmm. ships. The third is that it isn't a U.S. ship at all. It is the abstract red tulip of the martyrs that you find in the center of the tricolor of the Iranian flag. When When is this? This is a few weeks ago, right? Uh, this was December 20th, 2023. So yeah, a couple oh. weeks back. Oh, wow. So almost um, over a month ago. Yeah. It's kind of interesting that this is only that the Houthis and what's going on in the Persian Gulf has only escalated. Yeah, I mean, it's not getting better. I'll tell you that. I mean, it's like now we just dropped or we sh- struck, what, 78 targets or something like that in Iraq and Syria mm-hmm. that were quote unquote tied to Iranian proxies i believe is what the nomenclature the mainstream media is using these days yeah yeah that is kind of interesting he he didn't do a bad job on that one uh i don't know about the nuclear bombs that are going to go off <laughs> in the persian gulf but it's kind of funny that he sees the iranian as the iranians as the snake when it's our navy that is in those straits. Yeah. It's American and British navies. And I would imagine that we were actually the snake. Well, especially from a biblical sense, you know, if we're talking about like the Antichrist and things, which this very much ties into the Antichrist and MBS and Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia leading a um, coalition, if you will, into Yemen, the serpent is a metaphor for like the sea god essentially is what it was used as in genesis it's like the chaotic monster of the sea so i think you're right in that it actually makes more sense for the u.s to be the serpent in this scenario because that's we're the ones in the sea with all the big like nuclear bombs dude it only makes sense we're outsiders we're literally squeezing the region 
and not why we're squeezing it in that we're not only squeezing it of resources, but we're squeezing it of lives and treasure. Yep. Yeah. So that, that all makes me believe that we may in fact be the serpent that is about to be killed by the <laughs> trident. It certainly makes more sense to be honest. Uh, next up, Chris, he talks uh, about how he does not like APAC. APAC being the American Israel Public Affairs Committee. No comment. I played the fifth through this whole segment. (laughs) Because frankly, most of the killing was not by Hamas. It was by friendly fire. That is my sources of Haaretz in Israel and other Israeli sources that are seeing that most of the people that died and those 1,200 people were killed by the Israeli army. But but Hamas did some horrendous things, John. They did, but if you watch the videos, remember, when the gates were busted open by Hamas, they went off and did their stuff. But if you watch the videos again, you'll notice there's a whole lot of people that just look like gang guys coming out of Gaza. Why do they even? They weren't start? in uniforms. They weren't. They weren't uh, acting military. So I, I don't know. I I think of course people die in wars and civilians tell the Palestinians how true that is, and um, it is the the credibility damage that is happening to Israel from this war, from this they're all animals. Let's kill them attitude. And by the way. Any Israeli Zionist knows that this is like this is what they want him to do. I'm not blowing this up. Just ask Zionists in Israel what they want to do. The way he says Hamas makes me hungry. <laughs> He's saying like hummus. Hummus. I want to put it in a pita chip with a little hummus. And here's the thing: I am immensely sympathetic to the Palestinian cause. I think he's going a little far. I think he's going a little far. Again, plead the fifth. I'm not talking about APAC on public on a public feed. Are you insane? That's true. That's I, I'm I'm pulling up some touchy stuff, Chris. But yeah, uh, no comment. That I have no problem <laughs> with the people of Israel. I want that to be made clear. Chris of Coast to Coast PM has no problem. All right. Well, then I I guess we should move on to Ukraine then, Chris. Oh, God. No, dude. (laughs) Stop it. None of these topics. These are bad. Nostradamus was talking about the Ukraine. Who knows, man? Who knows? (laughs) This is where it's funny, though, because Ukraine is the one that gets us in the most trouble. And it's not because of anything we say. It's because we play the clips of what other people say on coast. I try to really just tell the the American propaganda empire line. I mean, yeah. I tow that line so thoroughly, you know, I, I don't I don't try to get off of it. So we need to support the Ukrainians and the Israelis 100 percent. Here's the thing, Chris, we're not currently in any wars. Where are all of our bombs supposed to go? Uh to the ukrainians and to the israelis exactly exactly the military industrial complex won't support itself and i Um, wouldn't mind if we started sending them to the taiwanese (laughs) what one taiwan honestly i think they probably i think they may deserve it the most all right let's get into the ukraine war you'll 
I must unfortunately have to blow my horn here. I hate doing it, but this just has to happen. I mean, I've been on your show throughout this war off and on. And now finally, as I said, when things start going bad, all that, all the lies of the mainstream press, all the propaganda, all the goat of Ukraine and, you know, ghost of Ukraine shooting out 80 Russian jets and they're, they're, the Ukrainians are winning. It's all a lie of propaganda. I've been telling people that this war is doomed for the Ukrainians even before it started. And, and now the war of attrition has reached a point where the Ukrainians, now it looks like we have some real numbers that the Ukrainians have lost. The conservative number is 383,000. The problem with that, that, that's killed and wounded, but it doesn't include the 75,000 missing, which are mostly dead because the Ukrainian officer... And the figures I saw in the Russians' casualties, injured and dead, 315,000, if you can believe that. No, it's it's complete bunk, because and it's bunk from a Western source that have really done their job using a Russian activist group called... uh, um, oh, I, I can't remember. They're Medusa, I think, who are based in Latvia, and they actually have had their people going all through Russia to pick up any notices for people being buried from being killed in the war. How long are we going to continue funding Ukraine? The BBC. No, I got to finish this because important people ought to know. The Russians have only lost thirty-six thousand dead. My dude is not a bad geoanalyst. But if he doesn't add the Nostradamus stuff, then he's kind of a nobody, right? Like, he doesn't have enough analysis to put you over the edge. But compared to what we've heard on Coast, he's pretty coherent when it comes to, like, his geoanalysis. Like, None of that, none of that was bad. I don't really disagree with most of it. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, playing around about the towing the empire's line, but I mean, obviously, so far, I haven't disagreed too much other than when we start getting into like weird prophecy stuff. Yeah. And I, I think the biggest thing is he's clearly going on the side of Russia here and saying like, oh, the lowest estimate possible for Russia is how many people have died. The highest estimate for Ukraine is how many right. people have died there. But like you said, he he is obviously well-read in that he, he pays attention. He knows what's going on. He knows the players, which mm-hmm. is substantially better than you usually hear on Coast. Yeah. He is pretty much a Russophile, though. Uh, do you want to hear a little more about how great Russia is, Chris? I absolutely want to hear how great Russia is. Mother, Mother Russia. And we're back, George Norrie with you, John Hogue with us. John, it seems to me that the predictions for 24 seem to be war, war, war. But is peace possible? Yes, it is possible. Uh, we'll get to that. Um, the First, before we get into that, uh, will be the collapse of Ukraine. Um, and because the Ukrainian government has legally bound itself not to even negotiate with the Russians, um, and since they almost had a peace deal which was very generous to them back in the end of March of last year. Um, Now the Russians are not interested in doing anything but uh, offering terms. And so what will happen is, uh, is is very likely that when the Ukrainian army collapses that the Russians will advance with a much larger army than they had when they started this. We are talking about 2.2 million all right, and then I, I have one more Russia clip, and then we can talk to it if that works. Okay, let's do it. All right, this one's about how 
Rush is going to be the shining star of the world. Perfect. The other thing, too, is Edgar Casey saw this Russia. He saw it back in 1944, and he said, not the Bolshevik communist Russia. That will fade away. But far down in the future, and he meant this period, there would be a new Russia, and America was supposed to be brothers with it rather than a hypocrite. He said that, not me. Uh, and that Russia uh, will be the hope of the world. So how has Russia become the hope of the world? It has been doing a lot of negotiating in other places. It helped with the Chinese help to bring the Iranians and the Saudis together and who were trying to get detente in the region. The answer that America had during the Trump administration was to assassinate Soleimani, uh, who was on an errand of peace with Saudi Arabians. Um, we were opening up back channels to start to, let's get out of this war, which will just destroy the Persian Gulf. God, go figure. People stopping war in such a high time of war business. The horseshoe theory that is going on right now <laughs> sometimes blows my mind. Because I would imagine this guy comes more from a conservative line of thinking, mm -hmm. right? But I've heard this exact argumentation from Marxists. Like straight up, left-breathing, anti-American empire Marxists. They're saying the same exact things. And this this is a shocking thing to me. The 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 break the breakup of the old political dogmas and the jumbling up of new coalitions is pretty fascinating, I think. And we're kind of seeing this strange anti-American empire coalition developing that i would say would be more explicitly populist because i think that's what the dynamic that we're working with right now and i think we'll have a period of this and then we'll see new lines drawn of what becomes essentially the reestablishment of the old order right the 70s 80s and 90s almost but we're going to go through a 50s and 60s period right yeah i find it honestly a bit unnerving and i think it's the uncertainty of how these coalitions are building but uh, it's interesting you know listening to coast because i think it does cover so much of the culture right this this remix that we're seeing of politics. Mm -hmm. And I, I think it, one of the earliest examples of it was the like hippie left combining with the alt-right to hate on vaccines yes. and like go back to the land and all that's this a stuff. Great, that's a great first, like that's the canary in the coal mine. Yeah. Like something's wrong here. Something weird yeah. is happening. Something strange is up when the guys with you know giant beards and ak-47s are with the guys with the giant beers in the overalls back to the land in the kombucha yeah like yeah. something strange is going on yeah so and i think this guy is a good example of that too especially with his criticism of donald trump because i was not expecting that from him Wait, um i was yeah. very much because i know a lot of trumpers are big fans of russia and what russia is doing in anti sending more money to ukraine 
And that's kind of what I was expecting from him. And he mixed it up a little bit, you know, yeah. a little, little criticism of that, uh, that assassination, you know, maybe we shouldn't just drone strike generals from other countries. I don't know. The, and this is the, we're getting, I sometimes wonder, is it libertarian or is it anti-empire? Like, or would, would people have been all right with a giant military if we weren't bombing the crap out of everyone? Like we just had the biggest arsenal on the planet, right? But that's that's the thing, right? This is a this is something I learned playing Risk, is that once I had a huge army, I wasn't just fine just having a giant army. I needed to roll those freaking dice, baby, and I, I needed to use my army. I think that there wouldn't be the type of coalition that we're seeing against the empire if we just had a big army, because if, because, because the problem to the right, isn't that we have a lot of guns. It's that we're spending all of our money shipping them overseas. Right. And I think the problem on the left is that we have a lot of guns and we're spending a lot of money shipping them overseas. So that's where we're coming in and like combining, I think is the fact that, we don't want to be sending or there people don't want to be sending billions of dollars to Ukraine and to Israel to fight these wars when we're falling apart domestically. Like, why are we spending all our cash on this? But don't get it mixed up. I think there's still a very strong coalition of people that see both supporting Ukraine and supporting Israel as a good thing. Yeah, yeah. And I think there right. are probably some people that see supporting Ukraine as good, but supporting Israel is bad too. I think there's probably a mixture and there. And vice right? versa, right? Yeah. yeah, that I would love to talk to those people because I don't think I've met them. That's I guess that's so true. Like Maybe making them up as, in my head. Yeah, I don't know <laughs> if that person does exist because that does seem to be the general course of action, right? Either yeah. it's like, don't give weapons to anybody or give all the weapons to our allies that we deem are necessary to the enemies that we also have yeah well chris with all these wars we got another issue that's coming up all right good because we're, we're we, this this is way too similar to the uh rfk jr episode right yeah. now we got to mix it up a little bit yeah, yeah. So um let's let's stop talking about wars, Chris, and let's get into the Great Depression that's about to happen in twenty twenty four. Ooh. I uh the economic changes that are happening are gonna be breathtaking in twenty twenty four. They're gonna happen mainly from a, a a depression moment that's coming probably earlier in this year. But again, as I was saying before, we're in a period where things that have lasted for 500 years that have been the systems are going to break down so that new systems, and it looks like I would even say better systems, are going to come. NATO is going to go down in the next two years. By the mid-1990s, NATO will be gone. The EU will break up. The, um, the military-industrial complex will be too expensive to sustain. We'll stop paying beyond our means. And actually, we have a much better future coming after a few difficult years, starting with this economic problem. It's not a bad analysis. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. This feels like a pipe dream to me. 
You think NATO so? breaking up in two years? Not happening. The military industrial complex. Yeah, two itself, years. Two not years. Happening. Two years is quicker. EU in two years is quicker than I would anticipate. But I do think we are going to see a breakup of these supranational, so, so like NATO, like the UN, um, and then I think we will kind of see a, a a breakup of the federal government, and I think more localized power will happen in those subsequent years. Like they're going to have to cut up the slack. And we're going to see throughout the U.S. a very large degree of some places they're just going to utterly collapse. I mean, it's just going to become wasteland, essentially. And then there's going to be some areas that do okay. They're going to do more. They're going to do relatively well when you compare it to, especially what I'll call the hinterlands of the U.S. See, and. I think this goes to like the, the, the predicting power is relatively limited because we never, obviously this is where social science breaks down, right? Trying, right. trying to predict things. And both of us studied political science. So I think we know that things don't really work as well as, as we think my prediction, if I were just to try and take like an agnostic view and step back of what I think will happen yeah. is that right now we had a period of, increasing centralization of power and authority there yep. has been a pushback of that in populist yes. movements across the globe yep. i think that those populist movements are ultimately going to fail and that centralization okay. will continue and that's just me basing on like the long arc of history where power continues to be centralized more and more across the centuries so even though we may i think we probably will take a step or two back yeah. in the coming decade i think ultimately yes. that arc will continue whether or not I think that's a good thing is a different story. It's just that's what I think will ultimately happen. There is the anarchist deep down inside of me that wants complete abolition of hierarchy, um, right. which I think is closer to what you're describing almost of yeah. like, let's get rid of this centralized authority because I don't think it necessarily does us a ton of good in the long run. Um, but I, I just don't know if it's going to happen. What do you think about the depression being so soon? I I don't think we're going to have a depression. I think that we have way too many people with too much money and the Fed has too much control of the economy. I, I think that it, we're probably going to have a lack of growth for a while. I think we're going to have to have a really major, most likely ecological crisis prior to us hitting a depression. You know what I think does it? What? Trump winning 2024. That Then we enter a depression? Then we enter a great depression like immediately what, what do you think is going to cause that the the global they oh uh, because they tried it with the pandemic and it's more powerful than ever they tried it with the pandemic they they orchestrated the pandemic they orchestrated a pandemic to take down trump to take down trump it fails they had to fake an election yep and yep. now they're going to absolutely wreck the economy once he becomes president. Or alternatively, he cuts taxes and the economy gets a giant injection of sugar. That's probably what I think was going to happen. Which will then cause <laughs> which a depression. Will cause depression. Which will then cause an immediate depression. Either or, either or, but I'm yeah. going with the collective they until I have further proof, Paul. Them! <laughs> Them. They will do this. I'll tell you what, though. I'm going to make 
a decent amount of money if Trump is elected, and I'm going to pull it all out because I think that's pull what's going to happen. Is we're all going to ton of sugar, oh, we're going to yeah, have sugar dude. high, start running around, and then we're going to collapse. Coaster nuts. We don't give a lot of financial advice, but <laughs> if you see this Joker exploding, pull your money out, being like, "I can't believe I got this much money." Yeah. When you have that thought, pull it all out. Pull it out, then you're done. Pull it all out, dude. Get out of the circus because that's when things are about to explode. Pull it out and put it all in Bitcoin. Only the <laughs> finest financial advice here. <laughs> no, dude, silver. We're getting so, silver coins. Getting silver? Okay. Silver well, coins. I've legitimately thought about buying cold coins. I'm not, I'm turning into a crazy person. I'm unwell. Becoming, if I come in and see a book full of gold <laughs> coins... I'm finding a way to disinherit you. <laughs> I don't uh, want to be your brother any longer. Man, well, yeah, there's there's a lot of factors in this between listening to Coast and then we're playing a uh, tabletop game right now that is very heavy in conspiracy and I think is making me unwell. Uh, you were always unwell. These things are just <laughs> pushing you over the edge. Getting worse and worse. Uh, well, we do have some callers, Chris, so let's jump to one of our favorite callers. Interesting take. Let's go next to Cornelius in Alexandria, Louisiana. Hello, Cornelius. Hey there, boy. That Wayno from Washington. That's one of my coast-to-coast friends there, George, and he's something else. Well, Mr. Hogue, they call me the God, Guns, and Gold Man, the Bible, Bullets, and Beans Man. I'm telling everybody to get ready. I'm in George Norway's Army and the Navy for George. Well, this is what I have for you, Mr. Hogue. I believe in Bible prophecy just like Wayno does. And I believe that we need to stand by the Jews. You believe in Russia and China. Well, communist China and Russia, they have that Belt Road initiative. But once those people can't pay their bills, they're coming under control of communism, Marxism, socialism, and stuff okay. like that. Okay, but uh, let's let's get let's get updated here. Russia has not been a communist country for a long, long time. It is an Orthodox Christian country, and uh, so uh, that's one thing. Um, the other thing is that although China has a communist party, uh, it also allows uh, for capitalist. It's kind of an interesting mix of, of that. So um, that's another thing. There, there. He said it explicitly. It's Orthodox Christian, actually. <laughs> actually, Orthodox. And they're, and they're all white. Do you understand this, Corny? So we'd love Did to Did he Cornelius. call him George Norway? He called army? him George Norway? He's in George Norway's army and navy. <laughs> I love George Norway. <laughs> I immediately got mad. I was like, John, you don't co- correct Cornelius. Yeah, first of all, <laughs> sir, you're talking to a, a national treasure. <laughs> this is Bible bullets and beans, man. Do you understand? Uh, Corny got in trouble a couple episodes ago, though. He he said something that was very anti-gay, and then George immediately shut him down. It was like, we really? don't do that here. Yeah, we yeah. Don't, we don't. We love the gays at Coast to Coast AM, Cornelius. LGBTQ plus friendly at Coast. So there we uh, go, dude. Good for Georgie. I, I was a little proud of George. I was like, shut him down. All right. Shut him down. <laughs> don't, don't. Oh, and I love, we love the Jews. <laughs> we love the Jews. The way he said it made me uncomfortable. It was like, <laughs> it's, the, it's 
like that Always Sunny episode where it's all about like the connotation or what's the phrase? What am I looking for here? Um, because of the implication. The implication, yeah. Just like the way you say the word Jew, I think makes it weird right. or not. The way yeah. he said it felt weird. It's a hard J that he's using. You, can, you can't use the hard J. He's really, you really need more of a Jew, you know, not a, you don't really want to hit that J. Yeah, he's making it weird. Yeah. Um, so that was that was Cornelius makes it in almost every episode at this point. So uh, shout out Cornelius. Bibles, bullets, and beans, man. Uh, I want to meet Cornelius one day. Uh, Do you? I, I hope I have the chance. Do you? Like in a controlled setting. Like right. if we were at a coast event, and he's on a panel. Then he's on a panel. I would go and say hi to Cornelius. I don't know if I right. want to be like alone with him in a room. Yeah. So behind some kind of barrier, even if it's a just a mild barrier. Yeah. And, and I need other people around to witness the interaction. Right. Yeah. Because I, I don't want him to catch me off guard here. What um, you, wh- how are you opening? What's your opening line? Uh, <laughs> Corny, big fan. Big fan. Big, big fan. Bibles, bullets, and beans. Am I right? Corny, what what kind of beans do you stockpile? Yeah, what are we talking? Are we talking about Hormels? Yeah, let's let's see. Well, we got one bush bushes beans. We got one more caller, Chris, uh, and this guy has some other ideas about the Antichrist. So I want to make sure we get the full array, the smorgasbord of Antichrist thoughts tonight. Uh, Thank you. I I just want to say, John, I got different theories. We're kind of close, but I think the Antichrist, the only way he's going to take power, he's got to be a religious figure, because I think he's learned from Napoleon and Hitler that if you're a leader of a country and you try to take a world, you won't be able to do it. Religious figure, you can. You can deceive the Vatican, and you can deceive all the, all the politicians in the world to join you. Now, my second run, real quick, because I know we're running short of time, is the Communist Party of China. Uh, Edgar Casey said China would eventually rule the world economy, economically and military, but their downfall would be Christianity. And I think they achieved this by, by these proxies. And what happens, they've learned, they've learned from Russia. We bankrupted Russia, they fell. I think with all these wars, the United States is going to spend too much money. We're going to fall economically. Russia uh, and everyone, China, will sit on the sidelines while Russia, Korea, which we haven't talked about, Iran, all these countries will go. China will sit on the sidelines. And when we start to weaken and all these countries fall, China will move in. What do you think? Uh, it is one of the biggest false premises that Western people have that the Chinese have any interest in being like us, trying to dominate the world. Uh, similarly to Russia, Russia has its Russian world. And a lot of Ukraine that was once hundreds of years part of that is going to come home. And maybe the only thing of Ukraine that is left will be Western Ukraine, where most of the Ukrainian Nazis come from. <laughs> oh yeah dude gotta throw the ukrainian nazis in that's good stuff this guy loves the uh the autocratic states dude he's yeah, here well, for it and it's funny to hear somebody so pro-chinese that's a that's a that's a tough take these days very few people and again the only ones i can think of are marxists that's, who have any type of pro-chinese take I don't know if this guy has a lot of friends because I don't think he's really falling in line with any particular uh, way of thinking right now. It's interesting. It's like the only people I can think of that even sound remotely like this are the gray zone, which is like Aaron Mate, 
and yeah. uh, those guys. Yeah. But the thing is, like, I, I think this is another example of I don't think he's incorrect with saying that Russia and China want to be regional powers. Yes. And they don't want to be like the United States with, yeah. m- you know, military bases in 200 different countries. Um, right. So I, I think he's probably correct there. So that that was interesting. And what was his? I thought it was funny. He mentioned Korea. He was like, and we haven't mentioned Korea. <laughs> and I was like, no, why would you? Yeah, no one really cares. Yeah, Korea is the proxy at at best. The only and it's a really lame proxy too. The only time Korea came relevant, uh, North Korea was when uh, Donald Trump went over and met with uh, um, North Korea, or when shit was the basketball player that went. I was gonna say you are gonna throw shade on my boy dennis rodman dennis rodman there we go when dennis rodman went with vice which i was actually watching a clip of that today so i'm a little mad at myself for getting the name dennis rodman uh but that was the other time when it was like dennis rodman went over to north korea that was really fun we need more of that his daughter trinity rodman plays for the u.s women's national soccer team oh i didn't Um, know that and she's quite the up-and-comer so uh shout out to trinity Rodman and the U.S. Women's National Soccer Team. Oh, the the other piece I want to uh, comment on on that is the idea that it has to the Antichrist has to be a religious leader. When was the last time a religious leader took over the world? Like the Vatican hasn't had that kind of power in a long time. It's been a very long time for the Vatican. They're they've missed their shot. I think. Uh, like unless we see a real resurgence of Catholicism and they get some kind of crusade going. Yeah, I think we're out for the vatican i mean yeah. again if i'm betting on anybody these days it's the mormons that's a good that's a good point that's my bet dude. they're one of the only religions growing it's like them and muslims and i think evangelical christians are the yeah. only growing segments of any religion i mean and mormons are growing fast too i think they're the fastest growing religion I think that hot. they need another hundred years and so then the Antichrist hot. can come from them. Uh, but they're, they're definitely, they're moving, they're cruising. I bet the the Mormon church paid Matt Stone and Trey Parker to write Book of Mormon so that it could generate some buzz, you know? I mean, they're thinking six steps ahead of everybody else. There's no bad press. There's no bad press. Dude, the Mormon's so hot right now. Well, Chris, that will wrap up our episode from John Hogue. Uh, on a scale of one to five, oh my, I don't even know, dude. Um, Trident missiles, what do you give our boy John? I kind of want to give him like a high score, dude. I kind of want to give him like a four or a three and a <laughs> half at least. I didn't think the analysis was half bad. The Nostradamus stuff, I really think, is just a way for him to penetrate the world and be able to have a willing audience. Because, like, this guy can't write for almost any publication anywhere. Who's going to take... I'm mostly pro-Russia and I'm mostly pro-China analysis in any American setting. And anti-Israel 
and anti-Israel, anti-Ukraine, anti-APAC. Dude, I'm scared saying anti-APAC. <laughs> I'm going to clip that and post that yeah. online. You're, and I'm describing fucked. somebody else. I'm afraid to say that and pu- publish it publicly. So uh, what an insane man. This guy is awesome. <laughs> And and he he has to have Nostradamus, and he has to say something crazy like, uh, "Drop a couple of the vowels, and now I got something else," you know. But he like, but he almost never mentioned Nostradamus again. It, it barely came up, honestly. It was a little disappointing. Um, he never talks the, about him. the Antichrist thing was just a segue to talk about wars in the Middle East. To be right. honest, that was yes. barely even relevant. It was- and, and I don't think dude would have mentioned Antichrist if he didn't know that that would have been a hook for George. Well, George made but, him say it. George, That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. George is the Antichrist guy. It's like when Art wants to talk about sex vampires. <laughs> and it's like, I don't have a sex vampire story. And it's like, Art's like, well, then I don't want to talk to you. And you're like, well, hold up a second. Well, the vampire did want sex from me. And the boobs felt like bags of sand. The vampires did try to sex me. They please, sex, please keep uh, me on the air. Please keep me. They were doing all the sex to me art. <laughs> so much sex was happening in the vampire dungeon. And just, you just got like p- pages of script that you were about to do. And you just got to throw it out the window and talk about all the sex you got from the lady vampire. I'm, I'm going to give them a two trident missile because I wanted more Nostradamus. I wanted right. more prophecy. And what yes. it felt like in the end was him just giving what he thought was going to happen based yeah. off of him studying current events, yeah. which is fine. But I'm listening to Coast and I want prophecy. Uh, it was, yeah, it was Professor Hogue looks into his crystal ball. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, gives us general geo geopolitical analysis and again like i said probably not the worst analysis he's definitely not american centric which is kind of hard to hear these days and so it is marginally interesting to hear somebody kind of take that take those sides especially being like this dude is so clearly american right like yeah you know so anyways and it, it also just kind of threw me for a loop with the Trump criticism on top of the hyper pro Russia, hyper pro so China. And it's I was like, nuts. I don't know who you are. Can it's you please all... fit in a box? <laughs> but that's and that's the thing I love about American politics is that, especially with the mainstream media, and it kind of makes sense why they do this, right? They just need like easy little like packages that they everybody it's a bite sized little morsel, right? But the American populace is so much more weird than that. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we get enough credit for being really politically strange and having just wild beliefs. And that's where this juice, this that's where this juice is squeezed, right? Is in these like individual instances of people like this where it's like, I don't understand any of this. And I am deeply fascinated by it. Yeah, I, I think it reminds me of Matt Taibbi's book, Hate Inc., that he wrote back in, I think it was like 2018 or something. Uh, but basically, it was it's about how 
the mainstream media's entire business model is based on team sports. Right. And to have a team in politics, you have to have a box that everyone's put in. But yeah. like you said, a lot of people don't fit in that box. Yeah. And you don't really know it because when you turn on the news or go on Twitter, you only see people who fit in that box. But if you talk to people, a lot of people are a lot more reasonable than you would think. So shout out to America, Chris. We're That's doing right, great. Dude. Love well, it. And so just... You know, one of the reasons that I think we're going to become more localized is because I think many of us are going through the stages of grief right now, understanding that we've essentially been lied to for decades. Like there was a belief that was infused to everybody that was like grew up in the 50s and on about what the American dream was. And you're like, you're a Republican or you're a Democrat. And like, we're all now realizing that 60 years, 70 years later, all of that stuff is now meaningless. They've, they've sucked out all the blood, all the soul out of it. They've packaged it up and sold us like nothing, just a feeling now. And I think a lot of this apathy and anger and we're all going through the stages of grief right now. And I think this, like I said, I think what we're going to see is a devolution of it's either you're a populist or you're an establishmentarian, right? You're a part of the the old guard that is trying to like with gnarled hands, death grip, what little of the treats they can hold. And I think you're going to see increasing anger from those of us who are outside what becomes an increasingly smaller and smaller circle. Well, Chris, I'm going to have to reel you in because we got to wrap up the show. Um, this has been coast to coast PM and next episode, we're going to be talking about time travelers. So it'll be um, a lot more serious, Chris, because time travel is no joke. Uh, hope you enjoy the show and we'll be back with more next week. All conspiracy all the time. Later.